Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. I'm going to welcome our pastor, Pastor Joel, to the stage, my wife, Angel, to the stage, and Latia Windham to the stage. She is our amazing kids coordinator. You go right here in the middle. Yeah. Hey, guys. We uh, have just a... A special announcement. We want to pray over Latia today. Latia has uh, helped us run our children's ministry for the last, what, year and a half about? Something like that? And uh, has had an amazing opportunity. She's in uh, academia, uh, works at SMU, and has been working for us just fractionally part-time uh, or so, and had an incredible opportunity, got an amazing promotion, but has to move to the great state of Oklahoma, which is a wonderful place to be, uh, but we're going to miss her tremendously, and uh, we just want to take a moment and honor her. Uh, she's taking care of our kids and run that whole team uh, for the last year and a half, and we want to honor her, and we want to pray over her. She's an incredible lady, uh, has her own nonprofit organization, so has a full-time job, has her own nonprofit, and then also runs our kids' ministry. Uh, what they say, if you want to get something done, find somebody really busy. Uh, so thank you, Latia, for being so busy uh, for us. But uh, if you would just help me stretch your hands uh, forward toward her and stretch your faith toward her. Uh, we love her and she loves Oaks Church. I know it's bittersweet for her, uh, but she's got, she, she got an opportunity she can't say no to. They made you an offer you can't refuse. And uh, hopefully it's a season and you come back to us in Jesus' name. Um, Father, we just thank you for Latia. God, we ask you that you would protect her, that you would watch over her, that you would help her to flourish in this season, that you would open doors that no one can close. Father, your hand will be upon her. You will prosper her. This will be one of the richest uh, seasons of her life in every way, shape, and form. Uh, She will thrive, Father. She'll be happy and fulfilled. She'll be able to solve big problems, and you'll reward her exponentially. Father, we thank you for the opportunity for her son, for this college scholarship, uh, and for his uh, soccer career, that he'll do incredible, Father. He'll have a very meaningful spot on the team, get a great education. And Father, I thank you that you will open the door, Father, for her to uh, walk into her dreams and that you will make this season a season of great reward. And Father, I thank you that you're taking great care of Oaks Church and bringing great teammates and team members uh, to our staff, Father. And the work that Latia has done and all that she has built will be celebrated and it will be strengthened and it will go from level to level, Father, from glory to glory. Uh, what she has done will endure because she's done such a great job. And God, we just ask you to bless this entire season in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. 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 All right. Thank you for letting us have that moment. Uh, thank you, Mr. Jeremy. God bless you. I'll grab my stuff from you real quick. How are you today? You good? Good. 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 Well, hey, thanks for coming back after Easter. We know it's challenging for some. But we're glad you're here. And for all of you that are online, we love you. We're glad that you're online. Get yourself down here as often as you can. You need to be here in the building with the people of God. There's something about being in the presence of God with the people of God. It's a synergistic experience. Uh, Our faith is contagious. It builds together. Jesus said, never forsake the gathering together of unbelievers. And frankly, a lot of people have gotten really, really cozy in their PJs and slippers on Sunday mornings. 
right? And I love you with your PJs and slippers on, but I don't get to be in my PJs and slippers. Would it be okay if I just started doing church from home on my back porch with my coffee and my slippers? Is that okay with y'all? Probably not. So that's why, because it's better for us to be together. We need to be together, right? There's something in you that, that ignites and awakens something in me. There's something in me that ignites and awakens something in you. There's someone in this congregation, there's someone in this body that has what you need, and you won't find that, and you won't even know you're missing it until you're in the presence of God with the people of God, building the crucial relationships that you need to have for your life. The best moments, the best connections, the best relationships, the best opportunities that have happened in my life have come through relationships I formed with the people of God inside of the house of God, and that can't happen through a screen. So thank you for being in person, and thank you for being with us online, and thank you for getting your tushy in person with us real soon and real regular. Amen? Amen. I'm not here to powder anybody's backside. I'm here to challenge people to be the best they can be. Amen? Is that too raw? Come on, let's do something great for Jesus. We're not called to live casual lives. We're not called to sit on the sideline. We're not called to be spectators. We're called to be in the game, on the field, making plays for God. And I don't care what culture says. I don't care if culture says this is the new normal. This is just how it's going to be. Not at Oaks Church. We're going to build a body of people that want to do something great for God and want to be in the game, on the field, doing something amazing with their lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's do it. Use technology. We're going to keep making the, excuse, the, 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 the opportunity better, the experience better, because we need it. We need the technology, but we also want to encourage and empower people to partner and get in motion and make sure they're not just living their life as spectators. What would have happened if Jesus let his boys be spectators? The world would never have changed. Before Jesus, 75% of the world were slaves. Did you know that? Women were property. No opportunity for anyone except the elite. If you think that our nation is worse than things used to be, you are deceived. You're deceived. Our nation's not perfect. We got lots of problems. But we're way better than we used to be. And there's a lot more opportunity than there used to be. And there's a lot more freedom than there used to be. We got room to grow. We got things to change. But we are in a progressive movement. The Holy Spirit is moving and taking us forward. And it's going to get better and better for those that are connected to the house of God. For those that are connected to the kingdom of God. For those that are living their life in relationship with the church. Why am I so pro-church? Because I'm a vocational pastor? No, I've always been pro-church. I understand that Jesus declared that the church is his vehicle and the organized body of believers is the only hope. Jesus Christ filling and using his organized body of believers is the only hope for the world. God doesn't do anything without doing it through us. And you can't do jack squat by yourself. You have to do stuff, big stuff, with other people. If you can do your whole vision and your whole mission and your whole calling all by yourself, you're thinking and dreaming too small. And you will stand before God. I'm just going to tell you right now and be real bold today. I've been on a fast for seven days. I'm clear, baby. My mind is clear. I'm in the zone. Let me tell you something. If you can do your mission by yourself and you don't need the church of God and you don't need the people of God, you will stand before God 
and you will not get a well done. You will not get a well done because you were selfish and you did what you wanted all by yourself to meet your needs instead of giving yourself to the people of God and the mission of God and the move of God on the earth. If that challenges you, good. If it ticks you off, better. Not called to make you happy. Called to challenge you to be the men and women of God you're called to be to be the greatest givers of your life you're called to be. I'll never apologize for that. I'm in a great mood today. I'm really in a great mood. I promise. I might have had a little extra coffee, but that'll settle. The genius of Jesus is our new series. I'm so pumped about this series, The Genius of Jesus. Uh, we're going to dig into the teachings of Jesus. Uh, the Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived until Jesus, because Jesus was God in the flesh. The omnipotent God, the all-knowing God, the ever-present God in the flesh, fully human, fully God, all at the same time. Jesus was a genius because he had all of God's abilities in mentality, in wisdom, in knowledge, in, in, in insight, Jesus' IQ had to be absolutely off the charts. But it wasn't just his IQ, his intelligence quotient. He had a social and an emotional quotient that were off the charts. Jesus could read a room like no one else. Jesus could read the hearts of people. He could read someone's emotions and their inner thoughts like no one else. You couldn't escape Jesus. You couldn't hide something in your heart in front of Jesus. He would call it out. He could be in a room like this and pick anyone out of the room and say, I see in your heart you're doing this and this and this and that. And they would be like, mm. the genius of genius. What do you think about when you think about a genius? Do you think of yourself? Most of us don't. You might think of Plato, Socrates, Einstein, someone really smart, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, somebody that's created or developed or done something awe-inspiring or amazing. What if, I, what if I told you that any and every one of you have the opportunity and the potential to operate in genius? Would you believe me? Or would the experiences of your life and the limitations of your mind keep you from opening your perspective to see that God has the opportunity and something in store for you that's beyond your own current limitations? See, because of some traumatic things that happened to me as a child, I was a young man that dealt with tremendous insecurity. Uh, so I became the class clown. Uh, I became the joker. Uh, I didn't see myself as intelligent. Uh, I just was the funny guy, the fun guy. Uh, I wanted to be wild and crazy and zany. I, I would, I'd be the teacher's pet, but, but, but I never won the spelling bee. I, I was never the kid that jumped up and couldn't wait to be at the, at the chalkboard to do math problems in front of somebody else. Didn't want to read in public. Never saw myself as intelligent. School was a social event. 
for me. And it wasn't until my senior year, I'd had a pretty traumatic experience and I had a radical conversion and had come back to the Lord the, the summer before my senior year. So my high school senior year, I was living for God at a level beyond anything that I had lived previously in my life reading my Bible on a daily basis, seeking and serving the Lord um, at the highest levels I possibly could as a senior in high school, quit all the party and quit all the shenanigans, uh, stopped hanging out with friends uh, that, that, couldn't, uh, that, that I would get in trouble with. I was really seeking the Lord. And it was in that season of my life, for the very first time, I began to experience something different. I, I remember the first time that I actually felt like I might be intelligent. It was, it was when I showed up to take the ASVAB test. Remember, some of you remember the ASVAB, the military test that you would take. And, and as per usual, I showed up, didn't even know we had a test that day. Had to borrow a number two pencil. Fell asleep a number of times during the test because I stayed up too late at night or whatever. And, 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 and apparently somehow scored about three times higher than the state average where I grew up. So the recruiter from the Navy was after me. Oh my God, was this man after me? Telling me that I had genius potential, telling me that I could be a nuclear physicist, all of these things. I mean, he's probably just trying to get me to sign the papers, but apparently I scored well on the test. And it got me thinking, maybe I'm not dumb. <laughs> Nobody's ever dealt with that. Maybe I actually have some potential. Maybe, maybe I might actually be smart and didn't know it because I was too busy being a dumb donkey. I don't know if it's better to be a dumb donkey or a smart donkey. You guys can figure that out. Use the King James version of that. I don't know. But, but I began to apply myself. And all of a sudden in college, I began to get fantastic grades and had an incredible GPA and had an amazing transcript and, and, and all of a sudden, I began to think differently about myself and my own potential when it came to performing. And there was only one habit that had changed. I had become addicted to reading my Bible. It's the only habit that changed. Don't get me wrong, there were some other, but as far as, as, far as meaningful. Before I begin, and I'm talking, when I, when I say reading my Bible, I'm not talking about, some of you guys remember the little, the little uh, loaf of bread on your kitchen table growing up, the daily word, anybody, anybody remember that one? And you'd pull out like a little fortune, it's like a little fortune, a Bible fortune cookie. There's a little loaf of bread, you pull out the little daily fortune, and you'd read your little Bible verse, feel really good about yourself, tuck it in the back, save it, we'll see that in 364 days. I'm talking about, I fell in love with my Bible. I became addicted to my Bible. I would be late to school because I was so caught up reading my Bible. Late to class in college because I got enraptured in God's word and I was so into the word and I'm taking notes and I'm digging into the word and I'm getting revelation out of God's word. So hungry for the word that it shifted my entire life and it actually changed my intellect. What if I were to tell you that you have access to God's intelligence. See, it was later in life, about 10 years later, that I was running a youth ministry and we had hundreds of teenagers and I had a, a number of people on staff. And as a staff, we thought it would be fun to take an IQ test 
So we all took the IQ test, and we we're going to see who the smartest person was. And, and I took it real serious. I mean, it, just pencil and paper, had to figure out every equation by hand, hadn't been in school in eight years or more. And, and, and I, I scored really high. In fact, I, in fact, I scored right at the, the entry level, the baby genius level on this test. And I said, oh my God, I'm a genius and didn't know it. I've acted dumb my whole life. I actually have a high IQ. And, I, and I've, I've functioned this whole last couple decades realizing I'm actually pretty smart. Didn't know it my whole life. And I went back before I brought this message up and I, and, and I wanted to go back and look and make sure I wasn't making something up. And Because and I, I knew my score and I looked at it and apparently some of the tests are different and, and I wasn't a genius anymore. My score... But what it said is that I, I had genius potential. Genius potential. See, this is something I've studied for years. I, I have, I have a, a number of years of traditional education, but I'm, a, I'm one of those people that I research everything. I study everything. I, I search everything. And I've studied the field of genius for a number of years. Did you know that there are three things that you have to have to be a genius? Scientifically, there's a minimum IQ level that you have to have. I won't tell you what it is. You can look it up if you want. Minimum IQ level. And then there's two other factors. The opportunity for talent development and drive and persistence. Did you know scientifically that if you learn how to think the right way, you can increase your IQ, your functional IQ, by up to 70 points? 70%, I mean, pardon me, up to 70% by learning to think the right way. This is science, not just Joel's opinions. The Bible will prove it. But scientifically, if you, most people that operate at a low level, the problem is they think wrong. Interestingly enough, when Jesus came on the scene, his message was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe. Repent literally means go back to the top or go back to a higher perspective. Repent means change the way you think. Repent doesn't just mean stop doing that thing you used to do. Repent means change the way you think about everything in your life. The kingdom of heaven, the authority of God is at hand. It's within your grasp. And if you'll change the way you think, you can change your whole life. A base level of IQ, a base level of intelligence, the opportunity for talent to develop and a drive and persistence. And you can increase your IQ by learning to think the right way. Scientists concluded that everyone has the potential to be a genius. One of the quotes from one of the scientists was, with the proper rearing, any child could be turned into a genius. Train up a child in the way they should go, God says. Any child has genius potential. 
Michael Howe, cognitive psychologist, says genius is the product of a combination of environment, personality, and sheer hard work. I want you to say something with me. I have genius potential. Say that. I have genius potential. No matter where you sit right now, no matter how you think, and listen, a lot of you, many of you are way smarter than I am. And I, and I, I make jokes about being smart because I felt dumb most of my life. But listen, if God can use me, man, he can use anybody. If he, if he can use someone that grew up in small town, Oklahoma, good family. I had a great family. The greatest privilege in my life is two godly parents that love Jesus and raised me to believe that all things were possible with God. The greatest privilege in my life. Lots of talk, lots of talk, lots of talk in our, in our current culture about privilege. The greatest privilege you can give your kids has nothing to do with the color of your skin. The greatest privilege you can give your kids is a solid marriage and godly parenting to train them how to think the right way about God and the world around them. It will change everything for them. They can overcome any obstacle. They can overcome any challenge. They can overcome any oppression. They can overcome any resistance if they have God in their life thinking the right way. And some may think, oh, that's easy for you, Joel. just teaching you God's word. God's word says nothing is impossible for those that believe. We have a world that wants to tell you that everything is against certain people and that they don't have opportunity and that they don't have a chance. And that's simply not the Bible. It's certainly not God's word. It's certainly not the words of Jesus. And if you allow culture to determine the potential for your life, you will live far below God's possibilities for you. You have to allow the Bible and God's word and what Jesus says to determine your potential. Not what anyone else says, not what any culture says, not what any expert says. It's about God's word, God's design, God's desire, and what Jesus says specifically to your life. Anyone, anywhere, at any time with Jesus can overcome any obstacle, period. I have genius potential. The Bible says that we have been given the mind of Christ. What would happen if we tapped into Jesus' actual mind in our everyday life? What would happen as parents? Listen, as parents, you can be completely overwhelmed. As parents, you could be completely lost, hopeless at times. No idea what to do. No idea how to overcome. No idea how to lead this kid. But you have the mind of Christ. See, what happened in school for me is I began to pray. I began to read my Bible, find Bible verses about helping me perform better academically, and I would pray specifically and quote Bible verses over my academics. And then when I was in these academic moments, I would pray, and I would pray in the Spirit. I would pray in my holy language. I would do all kinds of things to tap into the mind of Christ so that I could perform at a higher level than my natural intellect. The Bible says that God's ways can become your ways. God's thoughts can become your thoughts. Scripture says his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts, but you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. That's what the scripture declares. I want to take you to the very first 
words of Jesus in the New Testament. I'm gonna teach you a key today that will absolutely change your life. What if I told you that I would teach you today how you could live your life in open heaven? That interests you? You ever felt like heaven was closed to you? Ever felt like your prayers bounced off the ceiling? What if I were to tell you that Jesus, part of the genius of Jesus, was that he knew the secret to open heaven? Watch this story. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Jesus walks out into the wilderness, actually to the Jordan, where his cousin, his physical cousin, John the Baptist, was there the final prophet of the Old Testament was there baptizing people to repent. Repent, repent, repent. And Jesus shows up on the scene. John had declared that one was coming after him that would baptize with the Holy Spirit, not just water. Watch this, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he was coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. He will burn up the chaff in the, with an unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me? But Jesus answered and said, permit it to be so now for thus is this, it is fitting for us to fulfill righteousness. I'm gonna say that again. Jesus' response, the first words of Jesus inside of the New Testament, inside of the book of Matthew, permit it to be so now. John, let this happen right now. Allow me to do this right now. For it is fitting, it is necessary for us to fulfill righteousness. We have water baptism in second service today. Some of you may want to get baptized today. You may want to have a fresh start today. You can. There's a little QR code on the back of the seat. You could go to the Next Step desk out here after, after service. You can get signed up. You can get baptized today. You can have a fresh start today. You can make a, make a, draw a line in the sand today and join the seven or eight or, or whoever many, we're believing there's gonna be a whole bunch of people who wanna jump in the Holy Ghost hot tub over here and get baptized. We, we don't have a real baptismal yet, but we can turn the bubbles on if you like. It'll be real pleasant for you. Uh, just plain. It's nice and warm though. But it wasn't, about, it wasn't about the baptism. Jesus got baptized, but it wasn't for the same reason. Different, different. Baptism is about repentance from sin. It's about becoming cleansed from your past. All of us need that. I could probably get baptized once a week. Certain seasons of my life, every Tuesday and Thursday. Need to repent need to get right, need to change my mind, need to align with Jesus in his death so that I can align with him in his resurrection. That's the picture. Here's the problem with Jesus being baptized. He had no sin. He had nothing to repent of. Jesus was sinless. There was no reason for Jesus to be baptized. He didn't need to get cleaned. 
He was always clean. He was the spotless lamb of God come to take away the sins of the world. So what's he doing there? Why would he make this journey? John didn't even get it. Because what you doing here? You don't need this. You're perfect. You're sinless. I need you to baptize me. Jesus says, permit it to be so now. For it is necessary, it's fitting to fulfill righteousness. Uh, I want to propose to you that there's only one reason Jesus was there. Because his father told him to go. The father said, hey, Jesus, go out and meet your cousin John. Have him baptize you. I know you don't need it. I know you got nothing to repent of. He's God in the flesh, guys. But this is what you must do to fulfill righteousness. What is it that you must do? Ladies and gentlemen, what is it that you must do to fulfill righteousness? Jesus said that the only way you can enter heaven is to have a righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees. They were the best rule followers of all time. No one in this room can follow the rules as good as a Pharisee. Jesus was saying it's impossible for anyone to have righteousness of your own and make it to heaven. You have to have a righteousness greater. What is that righteousness? It's called faith righteousness. Righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith comes when you obey God when you don't understand. And you keep obeying him when it doesn't make sense. Abraham, the father of faith, followed God to a land that he would show him. Didn't even know where he was going. Follows to a land that he would show him. And the Bible says that it was credited to him as righteousness. He's the first person whose faith, his action based on what he believed, his obedience based on what he believed, was credited to him as righteousness. See, faith without works is dead. Faith without obedience is empty. It's a zero. James wrote in his book, you can talk about your faith without works, but I'll show you my faith with what I do. See, we're saved by faith through grace, not works, so that no one can boast. But that same verse says that you're saved unto good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. So you're not saved by the works. But if you don't actually do the works that he prepared for you to do, you don't have faith. And you're only saved by faith. So they still go hand in hand. The Father instructed Jesus to go into the wilderness, to go to the Jordan, to be baptized. And he obeyed. Watch what happened. Permit me so. For thus is fitting for us to fulfill righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had baptized, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, watch, behold, watch. The heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So watch what happens. Jesus obeys God, even though it makes zero sense. 
He obeys God, and the first thing that happens, heaven opens. Heaven opens. Holy Spirit descends, remains on him, and God speaks audibly and affirms him publicly. This is my beloved son. What triggered heaven to open? Obedience. Jesus' genius starts with obedience. The genius of Jesus starts with obedience. Obedience opens heaven. You want open heaven in your life? Obey Jesus. Which part? All of it? Every part you have revelation of? Can I say this to you? If obedience opens heaven, what does disobedience do? See, it's possible that you may be in a closed heaven season because you've got an area of disobedience. Something that you know in your heart God wants from you. But you just haven't been ready. You keep making excuses. And it's no different. It's no different. I've got an 18-year-old daughter on the front row. There's things that she wants to do. There's things that she wants to, there's dreams in her heart. Do you know, as her dad, the greatest joy of my life is opening doors for her dreams. But I also have to make sure I don't open doors before she can handle it. So I got to see certain things in her life that show me she can handle responsibility so that I can open this door for her. And until I see the obedience, the maturity for her own good, I have to keep the door closed so she doesn't destroy herself. And how much more your heavenly father wants to open doors for you, wants to usher you into the greatest dreams of your life that he implanted in you in the first place. And it's our obedience that triggers it. Well, Joel, that's just one place in scripture and I mean, that was Jesus. Okay, let's go to another place. The Bible says out of the mouth of two to three witnesses, let every truth be established. If you can find something in scripture two times that matches up, it's a truth. According to the word of God, if something's only in the scriptures once, you need to find some validation. There has, to be, there has to be congruence. Okay, so watch this. Obedience opens heavens. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's, let's go back to one of the most ominous books of the Bible, the book of Malachi. Malachi is what's seen by many theologians as a divorce decree. It's the last words of God to the nation of Israel before a 400-year silent treatment. Read Malachi. Malachi is a scary book because it's God saying all of the things that Israel is doing wrong, that he's judging them for, and, and, and he's pointing out all of their disobedience, and then he literally shuts up and closes heaven for 400 years until John the Baptist and Jesus come on the scene. No writings, no scriptures, no prophets, no visions, 
no presence. I've had the silent treatment. Oh, it's horrible. Married folk, you know what I'm talking about. Just walk past you, don't even look at you. I'm right here. It's no fun. Watch this, watch this. Every preacher's favorite verse in the whole Bible, you ready? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. (laughs) That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. The, the, The verse right before it, he says, there's a curse on you because you've been disobedient. There's a curse on you because you've been robbing me. How have I robbed you? You ask with your tithes and offerings. Oh, see, this is the one that everyone wants to opt out of. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, that's Old Testament. And I mean, that's just whatever. And that's just what are this and that. And, and you're smarter than God, apparently. Apparently, you're so intelligent, you're smarter than God. And you think you figured out a way that works better than him. You know better than God. You know better than Jesus. Did you know Jesus paid his tithes? You couldn't go to the temple if you didn't pay your tithes. Do you know in the Old Testament, in in, in the law that Jesus followed, if you didn't pay your tithes, when you finally caught up on them, you had to pay 15% tax on it? Let's start that one up. Couldn't come in. Can't show up. Oh, we'd be all online, wouldn't we? About 20% be able to come. Are we smarter than Jesus? Are we smarter than the Bible? Are we smarter than the Father? Disobey, close heaven. Obey, open heaven. It works with money. Guess what? It works in your marriage. It'll work with your kids. It'll work with your boss. It'll work with business deals. It'll work with real estate. It'll work in any relationship. Obey God, open heaven. Disobey God, close heaven. The genius of Jesus. Did you know that Jesus literally said, you want to know Jesus' secret sauce? I'm going to give you Jesus' secret sauce. You ready? John 12, 49. For I did not speak this on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I've spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus only said what the Father told him to say. Oh my God, what would happen in my life if I learned how to do that? Any other big mouth folks out there? The best, the greatest gift in my life is my mouth. The greatest curse in my life is my mouth. Jesus said, I only say what my Father tells me to say. Jesus wouldn't even open his mouth why don't we try that? Someone asked you what you think about politics? <laughs> Father hasn't told me what to say on that yet. I'll let you know when he does. Oh my gosh. How many relationships will we save? Watch this. John chapter 5, 19. Jesus gave them the answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus only said what his father told him to say. Jesus only did what his father 
showed him to do. He walked in absolute obedience at all times. And he walked in absolute open heavens. You want heaven open in your finances? Tithe. Obey. You want, it, you want, it, you want heaven open in your marriage? Love and respect your spouse, no matter how they act. That's the commandment. Oh, we want to treat people how they deserve to be treated. But we don't want to be treated the way we deserve. We want mercy for us, judgment for everyone else. You want great business relationships? Have integrity. Meet other people's needs first. Do unto others first. Obey God and watch heaven open in your business. Big question. Every, every week I have a big question for you. Are you disobedient? Oh my God, it's so loaded, isn't it? It's, it's such a loaded question because the reality is everybody is in some way. Nobody hears Jesus. Nobody here is Jesus. We all need Jesus. No one here is holy in and of themselves. No other person in here is pure all by themselves. Everyone needs Jesus. You will need God's grace until you get to heaven. If you ever come to a time or a place in your life where you no longer need God's grace, congratulations, you're dead. Because you can't even live without his grace. You can't function without his help. I personally want to live in open heaven. I know there are areas of my life that I am very obedient and very devout, and there are areas of my life that I have, that I have resisted God and not been fully obedient. I have had areas of disobedience in my life. I want to change that. I want to live in open heaven. I'm a human being like anybody else. I have temptation like anybody else. I have personality flaws like anybody else. I get in the flesh just like anybody else. But if we can learn how to obey God, obey him in our relationships, obey him in our prayer life, obey him in our purity, obey him with our tithes, obey him with, 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 with how we treat other people, obey him with how we conduct our business. Let me give you three quick things to obey. Number one, obey his word. Read his Bible, fill yourself with his word and obey his word. Anything in that book, you know, is his word. Number two, obey the little nudge in your spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of you will give you little bitty nudges, little bitty nudges, feelings. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. That's not the right friend for you. Mm -mm, that's not the right business deal. Don't make that investment. Shut your mouth and let your wife talk. Treat your husband with honor, even when he's a bonehead. It's just the Bible. You want your husband to act honorably? Treat him honorably. Sow seeds of honor. Watch it change. You want your wife 
to be loving and affectionate. Sow seeds of love and affection. Watch a harvest come in your life. It's not a marriage seminar. But you obey God, you can have an open heavens in your marriage. You can have open heaven in your marriage. God can restore and redeem and renew the worst marriage that looks absolutely hopeless if you'll obey him. Number three, obey the voice of Jesus. Anything Jesus is speaking to you personally, and that should be your goal every day, to hear the voice of God, to hear the voice of God. It's not audible, it's in your heart, it's in your spirit. It's connected to that nudge. You can learn how to have conversations with God. But if you obey the written word of God, you obey those little nudges, and you learn to obey what God is actually saying, that you would open heaven for people's lives. If there's anyone here today that needs to get their life right with Jesus, anyone watching online right now that needs to get their life right with Jesus, right now, just say yes to Jesus wherever you are. Across this room, we're all gonna pray online. Pray with us. Say this. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I vow to be obedient to you. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. I believe you rose from the dead. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Pastor Brandon's gonna come. I believe, actually, we're gonna go right back into a quick little song for a second. Um, I want you just to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If there's anything that you feel like you need to repent of in this moment as we go into worship, just have that private moment with the Lord. If you feel like maybe you should get baptized today, Pastor Brandon will explain how to do that, all that kind of stuff uh, in just a few moments. But let's just come back into the presence of God and worship for just another moment. Father, thank you for your word. God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.